Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this spring will offer special volunteer vacations designed for visitors to spend a day doing a stewardship project and another heading out for a wild Tillamook Coast adventure. It's free and a way to have fun and give back. And we'll have more details on this experience just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department invites Oregonians to explore parks during winter and spring to experience the beauty of those seasons. If you're camping, remember to buy firewood from the park or nearby community to avoid bringing invasive species, such as the devastating emerald ash borer, into parks. Learn more about protecting Oregon's ash trees at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're talking about big updates and changes coming to one of the world's most famous rock climbing destinations and one of Oregon's favorite hiking spots, Smith Rock State Park. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, in today's episode, we are going to talk about the beginning of a new era at Smith Rock State Park, the famous hiking and rock climbing destination outside of Bend. Few places in Oregon have seen the type of explosive growth Smith Rock has experienced over the past decade, and that has stretched the park thin in a number of ways. To help deal with the growing crowds and set the park up for success in coming decades, Officials at Smith Rock are putting together a new master plan that will guide the park's development over future decades. Now, this may include adding parking, tweaking camping and climbing, and maybe even requiring reservations to park. To walk us through this process of what's being considered, we're joined today by Smith Rock Park Manager Matt Davey. Hey, Matt, thanks for being with us. Hey, glad to be here. All right, let's get down to it. I mean, I know we've talked about this before. And I know you've talked about this at length, but in a nutshell, can you take us through the main issues that have arisen at Smith Rock over the past decade? Yeah, you know, there were themes that were brought out um, over the course of public input for updating this master plan. And and really, a lot of it is just tied to uh, the visitation, the growing numbers that we're seeing here and the um, resulting uh, resource damage that comes just from more people without a lot of facility improvements. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're at the point where it's time to um, update our master plan and uh, put a vision to get together for uh, the future next 20 years or so. Gotcha. And am I correct in that this has really been, it's really been hikers that have exploded here, not so much rock climbers, or has it been kind of everyone, like all groups rising that tide? At Smith Rock State Park, it's been all groups. We have seen a lot more climbers coming out to the park, too. Climbing gyms are just proliferating across the country. They just opened a recent rock climbing bouldering spot in Redmond, so right next door. Uh, 
And uh, a lot of people come to Smith Rock to really test out their um, new skills that they gained in a climbing gym out on real rock. And Smith Rock being the regional resource is a lot of people's first experience doing that in the outdoors. Yeah, I mean, it's not just a regional resource. I mean, Smith Rock is is world famous for rock climbing and has such a long history. And, you know, that could be an entire podcast in and of itself. But, you know, on on that note, the visitation note, one of my favorite things to do is look at historical visitation numbers for all Oregon state parks, but especially Smith Rock, because it follows the trend lines in Oregon almost perfectly. So, I mean, through the 2000s and into the 2010s, Smith Rock was pretty much always around 400,000 day visits, you know, give or take up or down a little bit. But right around 2013, uh, which is when Oregon became this cool place nationwide, stuff like Instagram started to take off, Travel Oregon took off. You can see the impact happen in real time. Smith Rock's numbers jumped up to 500,000 in 2013. And then it was 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, then just under a million in 2021. That was the high watermark. It was actually down a little bit last year. So it happened pretty steadily. I mean, how has the experience changed with that more than doubling of the visitors in, you know, less than a decade? Yeah. You know, I first started at Smith Rock as a park ranger in 2012 when I, when I first got here and visitation was, like you said, in the 400,000 range. And now we're pushing, you know, close to a million visitors and you can feel it in uh, terms of just congestion, especially up in the upper parking areas near the restroom facilities. And then the, the, the trail that brings you right down into the Canyon. And as you cross the footbridge, a lot of people are just, you know, kind of follow the, the, the crowd and head up what, what is misery Ridge um, and, and do the loop trail. And so you really feel it, uh, throughout that whole Misery Ridge loop trail system, uh, that congestion, a lot of people, but it's really mainly focused on weekends. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that has always stood out to me is that, I mean, Smith Rock isn't a particularly large park, I mean, compared to, you know, Silver Falls, for example. So it's a lot of people crammed in there, but it's also kind of seasonal, like it's specific. Like if it's a nice day, there's a ton of people, but there's also a lot of days when it's pretty quiet, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, well, climbing and hiking in general are just so weather dependent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when we see a beautiful weekend, uh, the parking lots fill up. And, and what we've really seen with these visitation numbers too, is a lengthening of the seasons. So typically, you know, we, most parks see a lot of their visitation between Memorial Day and Labor Day. That's not the case at Smith Rock. This we can fill up our parking lots in January and February if the weather's nice. And these uh, last few winters, well, not the most recent one, but in the past few, we've had some really mild winters and we've seen a lot of visitation during those months. So it's really that visitation is spread out over the months. um, And then it actually sees a little bit of a dip uh, when it gets really, really hot in July and August. So we're a little bit flipped from your typical campgrounds that are are totally packed in July and August. Uh, We see we see lower numbers um, during those months. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we've talked about visitation. We've talked about parking a little bit. So those are those are key points in the updating of this master plan, as I understand. So can you just, you know, explain briefly what a master plan is and what it does? Sure. Yeah. So we a master plan basically is a a guiding document or a vision um, for park development. It's it's something that the management can use uh, that offers a menu of 
um, solutions to issues that may arise. Our last master plan was released in 1991. They're really typically targeted for for 20 years and then uh, are updated. This master plan now is, you know, we're at about 32 years, so it's a little overdue. And with all of the changes, it's really um, with visitation and, and lack of uh, some of the facilities to handle that visitation growth, it's really overdue to be updated. Okay, so let, let's cut into the, the most important things, you know, the stuff that people are going to be most interested in. So what changes are in the master plan or what developments um, that people who visit Smith Rock would notice most? Like what are the, the headlines if you were, you know, if you were a journalist, what would be the headlines to come out of this master plan? Like what sticks out to you? What's stuck out to people that you presented this to? One of the biggest themes that we had come out of this was just parking. Parking's been a big problem. You, you, you know, we, you show up on a really busy weekend. Your experience is, you know, less than desirable if you just can't even find a parking spot. So one of the big, one of the big concepts is altering the parking and giving us a little bit more, more control on that capacity too. So what we want to do is remove the parking from a county road where we really don't have any control over, over parking and put it into con- a couple consolidated lots that would be better managed. It would be safer for visitors. It would be safer for their vehicles. And it would allow a better flow into the park too, where you can find information that you're looking for easier. You could find staff and uh, you wouldn't be doing laps through a county road, which kind of tends to be a problem because we're sharing it with park neighbors here. And so on a really busy weekend where somebody might be looking for a parking spot, they, they, they often stop right on the road and back traffic up waiting for somebody to pull out of a spot. And there could be you know multiple park neighbors or other visitors trying to get through. And so it really creates that congestion problem that I was talking about. So, so parking is one of those big themes. And then along with the parking, the, your first experience in the park, oftentimes after a long drive, is trying to find a bathroom. And, and we're really lacking in f- some of the facilities here. We only have one plumbed day use restroom uh, for the entire park. And so this, this uh, plan is also uh, uh, proposing a lot more facilities, um, including a visitor center, which I think is uh, one of the, the, the really neat aspects of this plan too, a place where people can come and get a sense of what the park has to offer and how they want to uh, experience the park with the time that they have. Yeah. And so I I remember you talking about the the visitor center, but you're also talking about expanding parking. So would this be creating like a whole new parking lot system with a visitor center there? Like, would that be like a grand reimagining of what's there now? Well, it's a little bit of a, we've got one parking spot that will be redesigned, but basically in the same footprint and a, and a visitor center built off to the side of that. And it, it, it will have the potential to be slightly expanded as we lose that on-street parking and, uh, and, and build out that one parking lot. And then another parking lot at the north end of the park that um, would function for the trailhead access um, to the northern reaches of the park with another restroom facility over there and better wayfinding signage. And then uh, an improved Rimrock Trail that would stretch uh, from the south end of the park all the way to the north end of the park and be updated to uh, fully accessible uh, uh, standards. So really giving people an option that doesn't entail necessarily going down into the canyon, but giving a lot more accessibility to a beautiful trail that would be on top of the rim and fully accessible. 
Well, it's interesting. You mentioned kind of a South and a North that actually sounds similar to Silver Falls State Park, like what's there now and then what they're kind of doing where they have, you know, various trailhead parking areas. Like there's the big South Falls one, there's North Falls, they're putting in another one, North Canyon. Uh, Is that sort of what you're shooting for here? Kind of. It just works uh, that way because of the way that we own the property too. So we have the room at the North end to do an expanded off-county parking lot and then um, where our current overflow parking lot is right now. So it's it's basically just paving that out and putting in a bathroom and some more picnic facilities over there and enhanced trail access at the north end. And then um, actually retaining a little bit of parking uh, near the chute access, the chute trail access, which is in the middle. So that that really has you know been one of the themes identified during the, the master plan comment process is retaining that quick access into the canyon that climbers uh, really mm. desire. So, so, but removing it off the county road and putting it into a, a single lot right there that would ha- offer quick access into the canyon if you weren't really looking to do the visitor center experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, now something that's come up, you know, and I know that you've heard about it is this res- idea of a reservation system. I mean, that's something that's happening around Oregon all over the place with from the Columbia Gorge to, I mean, this idea of having to get reservations ahead of time, get a permit ahead of time. So what are, what are your plans for that here? Do you have plans to do it? Is it something you'll consider? Where, where do you have, where do you sit with that reservations idea? Right. So the master plan is going to offer it as a consideration uh, or a suggestion to be able to use um, if if we get to the point where we, we we feel like implementing it. So what we're we don't have an actual dialed in plan yet on how that would look. We would definitely take the feedback from other park systems and agencies that have have it in use and take what works and and implement the best aspects of that. So what I'm seeing right now, if for, for a trial project with a reservation system here would be one lot, a smaller lot, or perhaps, you know, the over, like an overflow lot uh, would be a reservable lot. So if you're coming from Portland, or even if you're coming from Bend, and you just want to secure that parking space for the day, knowing that you get to enjoy the park on a, on, on a Saturday, um, without having to get here before, you know, dawn to get a parking spot, you could reserve a spot. And, 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 but the way Smith Rock is, like we talked about before is climbing, hiking, it's, it's so weather dependent and you really need to still offer that opportunity for the spontaneous visit when it's a beautiful day and you just want to head out to the park. So we're not looking at implementing an entire park wide reservation system. It would really just be phased in as a small, uh, uh, pilot project, really see how it works and adjust as necessary. Okay. And it, would that pilot project, will that occur this coming this coming high season or is that something like down the road? It would be down the road. It would be after building out our, our uh, new parking lots too. So we would take one where it would have like a system with a gate. Um, if you had, a, if you purchased your parking permit, you would be able to scan a code or something, be able to get into that lot. So rather than having a ranger have to man a parking lot for an entire day, um, it would, it would be a, an automated system. I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. 
Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. Beginning in the spring of 2023, the Tillamook Coast Visitors Association is excited to announce a volunteer vacation program that will bring groups from inside or outside Tillamook County to lend a hand in stewardship programs while also having a good time. One example of an itinerary would be spending one day clearing invasive brush or working on a hiking trail while the next day could include a guided hike or kayak trip, the type of activity that highlights the Tillamook area and shows why doing stewardship projects is so important. All meals and transportation are included for the groups that take part, which will ideally be between eight and 12 people. The experience is free for those who take part. The program is designed to offer participants the opportunity to give back to our popular area while also learning the vital role stewardship plays in preserving our natural places. The program website will launch in March, so stay tuned for that. But if you want more information or to sign up early, contact Dan Hag, and you can reach him at dan at tillamacoast, all one word, dot com. Do you have a timeline for uh, this park, this parking lot build out, like does the, does the whole master plan have to go through first and then you could get to that? Or like, is there any timetable for this initial stuff, which sounds like, you know, le- pretty likely to happen? Like, is there a timeline for that actually happening? So like I said, master plans are not funded. So all of this is, these are all just ideas to use as funding becomes available. The, the, we're kind of in a neat spot here because we had a little bit of funding earmarked for Smith Rock through the general obligation uh, bond funds that mm-hmm. were uh, given to the park system. So uh, Oregon State Parks received about $50 million and spread that out throughout the system at a, at a number of parks. And Smith Rock had four to six million earmarked for a visitor center with parking improvements. So we've got a little bit of money to get moving on that now. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't build the visitor center or, or the specific parking improvements because that wasn't identified in our 1991 master plan, hence why we're, we're really wrapping up this master plan as fast as possible now so that we can use this funding while we have it. So um, four to six million, it would be supplemented with more um, park funding. Uh, to build a, a, the initial visitor center with the with a parking lot. Sure. What would be uh, in the visitor center? Like, like, are we talking like a large, large area, kind of a small one, just with somebody who can give people information? Or what would be involved in a visitor center? Right now, the the visitor center specs um, through our through our master plan process is showing roughly a twenty five hundred square foot facility. So you'd walk in. It would probably have a small. Uh, greeting area that uh, park staff or a volunteer would be manning. It would have an interpretive section. So where you could get that background history about geology, recreation, the natural resources and other things. Um, and in and, and, and a, a place to buy passes and probably a, a small limited merchandise area too. 
as well as being a, an area that we could accommodate like school groups um, and, and, and other groups that want to visit. So that's, that's one of our target focuses is really connecting with a broader audience through a visitor center and offering more opportunities for education, land stewardship, engagement with the park in that space. Okay. Well, one of the other unique things about Smith Rock that people who've gone there for a number of years know and love is the BioVac camping setup. For those who aren't familiar with it, uh, how does the camping work at Smith Rock? Yeah, so it's really unique. The bivouac camping area, or what most people just refer to as the bivy here, is uh, it's, it's a walk-in campground. Uh, it functions kind of like what other Oregon State Parks offer with a hiker biker, but this one's bigger and you can actually drive a vehicle in. You park your vehicle. There's no sleeping in your vehicle, no trailers, no RVs. It's walk-in camping. So it's really for low impact. Uh, you, 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 you buy a parking permit, you park in the parking lot. It has a communal cooking area with restroom and shower building, but you walk about 100 to 200 yards in and pitch a tent. No campfires back in that area. It's just really for lightweight, low impact camping opportunities, but it's, it's kind of special and it's all first come first serve and, and people from all over the world come there and they can really connect uh, with other climbers, with other hikers. And it, it really offers kind of a neat experience that uh, not many other parks offer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rooted in the in the climbing tradition, isn't it? It really does. Yeah, it was it, it's really meant as I, I think it actually came uh, from like soldiers that would come and have like a low impact camp where they could move quickly, get up early. So climbers have adopted this where, uh, yeah, it's it's really you would camp at the base of a crag or a mountain before you did a summit attempt and um, and, and, and get up early and go. And uh, and that was really one of the things that people have expressed that they like about the park and they didn't want changed. So um, we're not really looking at making massive changes to the bivy um, other than potentially offering a space for some groups to come in. So what we have seen is more climbing camps, uh, more college classes coming in in vans and, and, and with groups uh, that can tend to um uh, overwhelm a little cooking area or, or whatnot. So we want to offer some reservable sites for some of the climbing camps and groups uh, to secure space and come in. So we, we are we are adding that as well as a, a restroom shower facility to accommodate that too. Okay, so the DNA of isn't of it isn't changing. You're just expanding a few things here and there, making a few tweaks to it. Yeah, basically. Okay. On the on the climbing side of things, since Smith Rock is such a big deal for the climbing community, not just in Oregon, but worldwide, uh, are you considering any changes there in terms of like how many routes you have? Or I know there's a proposal for a climbing ranger. Um, so how would that work? And what would that person's job be? And kind of what, you know, holistically, uh, would anything change with the climbing scene there with this master plan? That would be a whole nother process. So yeah, the, the master plan is suggesting an implementation of a climbing management plan. And this is really well supported within the climbing community out here. And we have a great relationship with them. And that would be something that we would uh, work with the climbing community to, to develop. So uh, that would it really how that looks is yet to be determined. But it would really put some parameters around new development of climbing, as well as helping with uh, keeping climbing access sustainable and accessible uh, for climbers at this park, because it is such a traditional activity. And a climbing ranger, a lot of people think, wow, that sounds like one of the coolest jobs ever. Um, <laughs> I want to be a climbing ranger. But uh, 
what what this won't be is you know a ranger rappelling off the top of the cliffs and uh, checking each bolt and and replacing as needed. So we really rely upon our climbing community and our nonprofits like the High Desert Climbers Alliance, like the Smith Rock Group, the Access Fund to help fund those and maintain the the infrastructure, all that climbing hardware out there. The climbing ranger um, position. Um, would be more about education and outreach in maintaining uh, those relationships with with our nonprofits, with the community, and expanding, um, you know, stewardship practices, safe climbing practices at the park, and 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 organizing volunteer events, and really just helping keep that uh, climbing accessibility safe and sustainable at the park. Uh, there's other things that people have brought up, like, uh, you know, banning dogs, banning drones. We've talked a lot about drones over the years and, you know, they're, they're very controversial. Um, but any thing in the master plan about those two things, uh, drones or dogs? You know, the master plan right now is suggesting a ban on drones, which we do have a seasonal ban on drones during raptor nesting season. And in Smith Rock, you know, it's kind of unique. Like you said, it's 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 a rather small park. We're just under 700 acres, but with over a million visitors. And so when you get that many people into that small of a space, um, you can end up with more conflicts. And especially uh, uh, w- w- regarding noise, regarding, um, you know, privacy issues, regarding safety. So climbers, the, the sport itself is, uh, you know... Uh, you know, quite exposed. So somebody up on a, a, a climbing wall, lead climbing, let's say, um, they don't know if they see a drone flying nearby, who the operator is. Is it somebody that's just flying this for the first time or is it an experienced pilot? We've had issues where people have crashed the drones into the walls and they've become um, falling down and, and nearly hitting people. And so something like that, 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 that can distract you enough if you're, if you're perched on a wall that could actually lead to a fall. Um, you know, you're going to be tied into the rock or on an anchor. So, so, you know, you, but you still could slam back into the rock. So uh, that's been a big part of what the climbing community has expressed is, uh, the, the safety aspect of having people fly drones near climbers. And then, um, and then we have the raptor concerns as well too, with, uh, many different nesting birds all in a relatively small space. So wildlife advocates, um, have, have also you know, raised a lot of concerns, issues with drones in this park, but mm-hmm. they do offer, uh, it, it's a neat tool too. And so a, a, a ban on drones may look more like just a ban on recreational flying. You, you'd have to probably contact the park and, and get a permit. So it's not saying that you can, you'd never be able to fly a drone ever. It's just that you'd have to work through a permit process potentially to, to uh, fly a drone. Um, what other changes or potential changes can you speak to through that might arise through this process? Yeah, well, I'm just really excited about uh, the the offering the different experiences at the park. So um, a visitor center and, and, and changing the way that the park flows too. So offering more accessible hiking opportunities up on top of the rim, um, better engagement, better wayfinding, uh, expanded restrooms. Those are all going to be huge impacts that's going to create a better uh, visitor experience at the park. Okay. Well, you've had a lot of public outreach, public meetings, you're getting public comments now. Uh, What have been some common themes that you've heard from people as they respond to this draft proposal? 
Yeah, there's still a lot of hesitation around a, a reservation system. And I think that, that people are just worried that the entire park would go to a reservation system and that they would then lose an opportunity to visit the park sponta- like with a spontaneous visit. So um, rest assured, we're not looking at implementing a park-wide reservation system right away with any of this master plan. Um, that would be something that would be slowly phased in and, 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 uh, and still allowing that spontaneous visit option to you just have to get to the park early on some days and uh we're seeing a lot of support for the climbing management plan climbers really want to maintain that accessibility that access at the park for future generations so uh, a big thumbs up there and continuing to also protect the natural resources and specifically a lot of the raptors that nest in the park so many people are you know come to the park for that wildlife experience too and for such a small acreage park there's a lot going on here and so it's you know beyond just hiking and climbing it's a fantastic place to come and you know capture photographs uh landscape we we see a lot of people come out here and just do uh plein air painting um it's just a wonderful place to immerse yourself in this natural experience with a wide variety of animals so um this this plan i think will also really help us protect that resource that makes the park so special Okay, well, we mentioned the timeline earlier and the public comments, but again, people can get their thoughts on this plan up until May 15th. What's the easiest way to do that? Is that email? You know, there's a there's a portal on our website uh, that you can click in. So it's submitting a comment through that portal. So if you just if you just use your your browser web browser of choice and just just type in Smith Rock State Park Master Plan, you'll see a link pop up to that. And it'll have a link that says submit your comments. So all, all comments need to go through that link. That way it's captured and we review it um, uh, through the proper channels. You can also find more information about this as well as all the links by visiting smithrock.com. They've got it on their homepage too and, uh, and, and some summarized information as well as other uh, news uh, uh articles and stuff that have come out about the plan as well. All right. Well, I've been talking with Matt Davey, the manager at Smith Rock State Park in Central Oregon. Thanks so much for the time, Matt. Hey, my pleasure, Zach. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.